It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. On today's Olympic Hockey Daily, presented by Locked On NHL, we tell you just how Finland and ROC got to the gold medal game for the men's tournament and evaluate the good and the maybe need some work from the broadcast and presentation side of the hockey tournament in Beijing. You're Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to this Olympic hockey edition of Locked On NHL. I'm Rachel Donner from Locked On Flyers. I'm on Twitter at rmiriam. I'm here as always with Anne Kimmel of Locked On Predators. And where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter at ANK underscore Mama on Ice. How are we doing? And we're getting to the end, right? I know. It seems like we've been hockeying for a while, but all of a sudden it's wrapping up. We've got... We've got men's medal games coming up. We do. I know. It feels like yesterday that we just started these episodes, and here we are with uh, medals about to be awarded for the men's tournament. Thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. Plus, you can watch us over on YouTube. Before we get to those men's medal games, a little bit of news to talk about on the future international hockey tournament side, some rescheduling from events that were supposed to take place in December and January. I think the most important of which is the women's U18 tournament. And that had gotten canceled and there was a big to do yes. about that because they had kept the men's U20 World Junior tournament going and canceled the women's U18 plus some lower level men's tournaments as well and you know it seemed like it wasn't really fair mm-hmm. but the World Junior tournament wound up being canceled a little ways into it because of covid anyway right <laughs> So all of it is now rescheduled. (laughs) They're starting kind of from scratch again, which is very exciting that they are putting forth the effort to reschedule these. The women's 18 will be played in June somewhere in the north of the United States. Uh, They're still kind of finalizing location and hosting and that kind of thing. But they are rescheduling that. And I think that has a lot of people really pleased that these uh, young women are going to get a chance to play in their tournament. Yes. And then, of course, the World Junior Tournament, which was supposed to have taken place in Edmonton and Red Deer in Alberta, Canada. They are going to have that in the middle of August. Um, And hopefully they'll be able to finish that. Now, I think the most interesting part of these uh, rescheduled tournaments is that the eligibility will remain the same as if it were the dates they were originally supposed to take place. So nobody's going to age out of it. But for the World Junior Championship, the fact that some of the kids that would have been playing in it in December and January will now have already been drafted into the NHL. And are they going to then go play in World Juniors at that point? 
Yeah, I think it opens up a whole nother can of worms. I love that they left the eligibility the same. I think that was the right decision to make. But I do agree with you. I think this opens up uh, a whole nother discussion for these players and for these teams who is going to opt back to play in the World Junior Championship and who may opt out. It's going to be very interesting to see what these uh, young players decide to do with that. Yeah, I'm especially interested to see what decision uh, Shane Wright decides to make this go around um, as the presumptive number one overall draft pick in the NHL. But again, to be determined, and we will keep an eye on that for sure. Moving over to the men's tournament semifinals. Man, these were two defensive battles, right? (laughs) They really were. You know, you were thinking, okay, is this going to be, you know, a very exciting high-powered offensive game? No, they weren't. But they were very exciting high-powered defensive games um, on both sides. Really fantastic semifinal game. The Finland-Slovakia game, Finland ended up winning with just a one nothing score. But this was a great, uh, a great game. Very even. Evenly matched teams. Shots on goal were 27 to 28. You know, so many statistics were very even on these. Um, Finland did a great job staying out of the penalty box because their penalty kill was definitely not one of their strong suits throughout this tournament. Um, Slovakia had some great chances to tie this game up. Uh, Slavkowski had a great game, but just could not find the back of the net to get this game even to take it into overtime. Uh, Harry Satari was the top goaltender in the tournament and 96.5 save percentage, which I think is fantastic. Uh, Rebar also had a really great tournament as well. He had a 95.76 save percentage. So two great goalies. You definitely saw their performance sort of dominate the way this game panned out. But in the end, Finland with the win, one to nothing over a very good Slovakia team. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously a lot of people underestimated Slovakia, especially Mm -hmm. in that matchup against Team USA that got them into the semifinals. And going up against Finland, I would have thought that maybe Finland would have dominated this game a little bit more, given what we knew, but you can't underestimate Slovakia and they just put up such a good fight shots were pretty even in that game 27 to to 28 the goaltending was on point and man it was just it was kind of edge of your seat hockey given it was that you know it was such a defensive battle I think both of these teams struggled a little bit to get quality shots off, but that was just a testament to how well like the stick work was, I think, defensively. Yeah, this was very much kind of old school hockey where you didn't have a high score, but it was such a fantastic game. You know, don't let a one nothing score make you think that this was a boring, you know, 60 minutes. It was definitely fantastic. And again, great to see the performances by both netminders just throughout the tournament, but especially in this game, they were not going to back down and give up much at all. Not at all. And then, you know, going into the ROC versus Sweden game, I really did not expect a lot of goals in this game because Mm -hmm. neither team have been prolific scorers in this entire tournament. I mean, there was the one ROC game which uh, had, you know, 11 goals in it total, but that was really an aberration that 
ROC has been a defensive minded game with some really strong offensive players, but they just haven't been able to finish. Yes. Yeah. No, I agree with you. I didn't think this was going to be a real offensive barn burner by any means, but it still turned into just another edge of your seat, high quality semifinal game between two teams that again, you know, like the Finland Slovakia game, this was a very evenly matched hockey game shots on goal. ROC was ahead a little bit 41 to 35. But again, it came down to, in a lot of ways, really strong goaltending. Fedotov and Johansson both played very well in net. Uh, I think some at, there were definitely points where each team struggled, to, uh, like you said, to get high-quality shots on net. But when there were opportunities... Um, the goaltenders really played very well. Uh, goal in the second period for ROC to give them the lead. Third period, Sweden came back. Anton Lander tied the game up one to one. Ended up going into overtime, and oh, I really thought Sweden had it in overtime. <laughs> there was, yeah, I there was one play that I thought, okay, this is it. There it is. It was like in slow motion, and you know there was a, a open net shot. Fedotov was out of position, and Yet there was an ROC defender there just just to thwart just Sweden, yeah. <laughs> you know. So it was exciting the whole way through. Ended up going to a nail biting shootout, which saw some great shots. But in the end, ROC got the shootout win, and they're headed to the gold medal match. Yeah, I want to talk about Anton Slepichev a little bit yes. because he was the player who got the goal during regulation for, for ROC, but he was all over the place in this game in a good way. And yes. he led ROC with five shots on goal in the game. And it just felt like he was taking this game on his shoulders for this team and, you know, just trying everything but the kitchen sink and <laughs> neither, neither team could get it going. I did think Sweden dominated the early goings in mm -hmm. that game and was doing everything right except finishing, which again, for these two teams, totally checks out. Yes. So. <laughs> That's legit. And I thought Lucas Valmark had a really great game as well. He had a beautiful shot um, uh. on the shootout. Just. I mean, one of those ones where you hear angels singing in Swedish, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. It was just gorgeous. So mm -hmm. there was some great hockey in this game. But again, in the end, uh, ROC comes away with the with the shootout win. All right. So now we have our matchups set for the medal games in this men's tournament. We have the bronze medal game, Sweden versus Slovakia. We did not get our Finland versus Sweden gold medal game, no. which is a little disappointing yes. just for the rivalry. <laughs> but, you know, this we'll is take what we can get. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So Sweden versus Slovakia for the bronze medal game, which uh, for East Coast of North America is Saturday morning. And then the gold medal game. Once again, we got to stay up late at night. Oh. ROC versus Finland. And that'll be late Saturday night, early Sunday morning for that one. And uh, we will have all of the analysis of those games on our final show on Monday, but we're going to talk a little bit about the TV and broadcast side of things after we talk about Bilt Bar.
So this is the time of year that we all might want to start giving up on those New Year's resolutions, but I am sticking to my resolution to make healthy food choices thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like I'm not sticking to a New Year's resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. And have you tried Built Bar Puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. So they're fluffy and marshmallowy. They're not just your basic average protein bar. They really are a treat. Puffs are a fan favorite. They've got some great flavors. They have a cinnamony churro. They have coconut marshmallow and my favorite banana cream pie. Anytime you put pie with a Built Bar, you have healthy and delicious. All Built Bars, including the Puffs, are covered in 100% real chocolate. If you go to built.com, their website, you can scroll down and see the macro charts for yourself and you will be blown away. These bars are all high in protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most of the built bars contain only 130 calories, four grams of sugar, four net carbs, and they are packed with 17 grams of protein. If you compare that to a candy bar, which we all kind of sneak sometimes, you know, those have about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar and dozens of net carbs. It's so much easier to grab a built bar. They have so many delicious flavors. I just had myself a mint brownie. They have coconut, coconut almond, new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. New flavors coming out all the time at Built Bar. They are all about the taste. You will not regret trying these. So go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, and you can get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. What's up, guys? Trey Matthews of Locked on Devils here, and let me tell you about Discover Debit Cash Back. Wings for the game? Boom, cash back. New lucky jersey? Boom, cash back. Even a last-minute ice run could score you some cash back when you use your debit card. And yes, we said debit card. With Discover Cashback Debit, everyone can earn cash back on everyday purchases. Look in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W, but you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees, period? I'm telling you, this one is a real game changer. Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit, Discover Bank, member FDIC. Once again, thanks for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. All right, Anne, now that we have watched most of these Olympic hockey games, thought we'd take a step back and look at the broadcast of Mm -hmm. this tournament, what we liked, what we didn't like. And granted, we are both in the United States, so we cannot speak to an international Mm -hmm. perspective in terms of what the CBC did or anywhere else so put that little asterisk next (laughs) to it because I'm sure um the Canadian broadcasts were amazing and you had a great time watching them there if you are watching or listening to us from Canada but uh, we can only speak to our NBC experience which I would say as per usual was a little bit of a mixed bag um and what was the method by which you watched most of these games? 
So I watched most of the games that were televised. I watched them on the USA Network. Um, and then, of course, there were some games that just were not televised. And so I would pull them up on the Peacock app and watch those there. So that's kind of how I accessed these games. I did like that I felt like there was a way to see every game. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of these games, when you don't have Team USA or Team Canada playing, they might not get the airtime. So it was nice to be able to pull up you know, a Slovakia game and watch some great hockey there mm. through the Peacock app. So that's kind of how I accessed it. How did you watch these games? I watched most of them actually through the NBC Sports app. Okay. And I would say I watched a couple of games on TV on USA Network, but I just found the navigation i could fast forward and rewind and yes. with all the replays because if there were games at the same time i would go to the nbc app and watch it that way i did not have the peacock app i don't mm -hmm. i don't use it so i didn't even think to download it because i figured everything would be available on either tv mm -hmm. or the nbc app i was sorely mistaken and we'll get to oh. that <laughs> but oh, no. <laughs> um there was one thing that drove me crazy, but I, I found out later that if I had indeed been using Peacock, I would have been okay. Oh, but I think, you know, as far as the presentation and the commentary and the play by play, I would say at least on the women's tournament side, it was some level of improvement of previous broadcasts, but in a lot of ways it was par for the course in terms of the quality of the play-by-play -play and the information that we were getting. Yes, and I think that's something when you've watched women's hockey for a little while, you notice um, that women's hockey tends to be talked about as like the child of men's hockey and it's sort of related to in that way. And while it helps for context to understand like some of the rule differences between what we consider hockey, traditional men's hockey and some of the rules in women's hockey, the way you speak about it matters. And I think to talk about it more as the cousin instead of the child, not mm -hmm. everything, not everything sort of goes back to the parent of men's hockey. And so that's something that for, I know for a lot of women's hockey fans has been something that sort of chafes when, when people broadcast is that the, the point of entry and the point of knowledge for a lot of viewers is not men's hockey. It's not the NHL. And so I think that's something that broadcasters, um, they need to start looking at that and finding sort of different vernacular for some of the things that they're talking about. Yeah, and I think they tend to fall back on these repeated stories and repeated ties to men's hockey for the women's tournament, like who they happen to be related to with like yes. Jesse Comfer and JT Comfer or, you know, Alex Carpenter and like, you know, there's almost drinking games that go on. Not <laughs> yes. almost, there are. There you know, are. You hear, you hear Bobby Carpenter, you take a drink, right? Right, right. And so it's, um, you know, you hear Amanda Kessel being mentioned and there's a graphic on screen with Phil Kessel and even Blake Kessel, who is like not even a prominent hockey player. I mean, God bless you, Blake Kessel. We and love you. Whatever you do, whatever you do in life. But, you know, it's just it's very frustrating when you have mm -hmm. one of the top women's hockey players in the world in, a, in Amanda Kessel, who has an amazing litany of accomplishments that you can mention. Right. And the first thing you mention is Phil. And right. 
So I think that's the problem. And that to your point, those of us who have been watching women's hockey for quite some time have heard these stories and these connective tissues that they're trying to build because they're trying to relate the women's game to the men's game. Mm -hmm. We've heard them a thousand times and we're over it. Let's hear about their college days. Let's talk about their records. Let's talk about how some of these players on same teams for international tournaments play on different teams together for college hockey or in the Swedish league. Let's talk about those dynamics. Let's talk about stats from those leagues that they bring to international hockey. And let's talk about where they've stood out in their past playing career. Mm -hmm. There's so many avenues to go with this that they seem to just miss out on. Yes. And I, you know, I understand that they're trying to sort of entice a newer audience and maybe they feel like, you know, we're going to bring in some NHL fans by relating to some current brother NHLers. But I agree with you. I think these women's careers and this uh, women's hockey tournament, for sure, it stands on its own. And I think that there are ways to make entry points to women's hockey that don't just assume that everyone is coming from men's hockey or that everybody wants to go to men's hockey. You know, not everyone who loves women's hockey is particularly invested in the NHL. And that that's OK. You know, so I think there is a there is a a, a way to like you said, create and develop and, you know, share these amazing storylines that don't have to tie into men's hockey. They're there. They are. And this brings us to who some of the commentators are that have stood out during this tournament. And I think, you know, a couple of the people that brought that perspective were Monique Lamoureux and Sammy Joe Small, because they are you know, former women's hockey players and they know a lot of these players and could tell those personal stories and could point out specific things about what a player was doing out on the ice and relate it to previous tournaments or relate it to how you know some of the more veteran players in the current tournament, say like your Hillary Knight, could talk about when she was first coming onto the international scene because of the way the overlap happened. And I just found that while, you know, maybe Monique Lamoureux needs a little bit more time and practice to have more dynamics in her presentation, the information that she was providing was invaluable and fascinating. No, I would agree with that. And I think there needs to be more of more of those voices that can give you that unique perspective on women's hockey. I also want to give a shout out to Aaron Murphy because he really did, I thought, a great job of understanding that some of the people in the audience, especially for the USA Canada gold medal game, some of these people are only watching this because it's USA versus Canada and are new to women's hockey. But he chose to relate a lot of this information, not in terms of how it relates to men's hockey, but just information about women's hockey and the rules of women's hockey as it relates to the sport you are watching right now. So he didn't compare and contrast things. He just explained what they were watching. And I know it seems like a small thing, but it really isn't because you have to understand that not everybody comes to love women's hockey via the NHL and the men's game or as a child, you know, who, you know, they do a lot of promotion with young girls being inspired. And I think that that's a great aspect to look into, but there are also a ton of people who come to hockey and to women's hockey, you know, 
I'm relatively new to women's hockey. I'm in my forties. I'm, you know, just a different type of demographic. And I think he did a great job of sort of addressing a new uh, a new viewer without having to kind of rely on some of the old tired ways of bringing them into the sport. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. He was absolutely one of my favorites. And, mm-hmm. you know, just looking at it overall, I almost enjoyed a lot of the games that I watched on the NBC app more because it was no frills. Mm-hmm. And there was sometimes only one play-by-play person, not a, a two-person team. And it was just straight up, this is what we're watching (laughs) with very key information, a lot of detailed information, especially on the men's side about, you know, a lot of these players are unfamiliar to North American audiences, especially because they play in the European leagues. And the play-by-play people had such great detail about all of them. And I just thought, you know, some of those games were the better ones to me Mm -hmm. instead of, you know, the big NBC USA machine, you know, production. Yeah, with all the bells and whistles. And just like during the intermissions, it was just a quiet look at the ice with the, <laughs> with the arena playlist in the background. And I found that calming. And that, <laughs> we needed that after some of these games. We needed yeah. those minutes to sort of regroup. No, I would agree with mm-hmm. you. I think there is something to be said for letting this sport stand on its own. And, and, it can. So I would agree with you. I think there was some really good um, production that maybe less is more. And I think the other thing I want to talk about is what I was alluding to earlier about being angry about missing something because of where I was choosing to watch the games. But right after the women's gold medal game between USA and Canada, the NBC broadcast just cut off abruptly, like just a few minutes of Team Canada celebrating, and then it switched over to a ski event. Yes. And for me, it did the same thing on the NBC app. Now, I understand that on Peacock, apparently it kept going and you could watch it and watch the whole medal ceremony. The medal ceremony without Peacock was unavailable to me until after it had already happened and they put it up in the replay section. And the most infuriating thing (laughs) to me of this entire broadcast fiasco was that when they put up on the replay section in the NBC app, the women's hockey medal ceremony, they did not show Finland getting their bronze medals. It started immediately with Team USA getting their silvers and Canada getting their gold. And after having watched the progression of Finland in this tournament, I wanted to see them get their medals and I could not do that. And it was absolutely infuriating. Yes. No, I would agree with that. And I think you have to come back and remember that this isn't just a, you know, people talked about, oh, it's Canada versus USA in this, especially in the women's side. This is, you know, what it is. We all know it's a foregone conclusion, but there were some amazing teams that made amazing strides. You could see growth in their programs through their progression in this tournament. And I agree with you not to be able to celebrate Finland and what they were able to accomplish getting their bronze medal. Like, Bronze is not nothing, people. You know? And how so. does this help grow the game if you're exactly. not going to acknowledge the accomplishment of a team that isn't USA or Canada? Yes. So you just perpetuate this same storyline that there are only two teams. And I think, you know, we heard some of that during during this tournament. We heard, you know, 
people saying that, you know, this is just USA Canada. It's really not. And when you have access to seeing these other teams and to seeing them succeed, you find out that the women's game is growing. And I think it, it was a huge missed opportunity. And I would agree with you. Definitely something that needs to be addressed as they move forward, how they present all of these teams and all of these programs. Well, hopefully they learn some lessons and we get a more robust broadcast going into this U18 rescheduled tournament for the women, into World Juniors and into next year's Worlds. And that, you know, this broadcast of women's hockey and of international hockey continues to improve. That'll do it for today's show. Uh, We'll be back Monday with our final episode of the Olympic Hockey Daily Series. I can't believe I'm saying that. (laughs) But we are going to have the men's medal results and an overall tournament wrap up. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts.